One of the things that has been the theme and that I've been talking about as we talk about miracles is that miracles happen, but they don't just happen. Miracles happen, but there's always something that triggers the miracle, that initiates the miracle. God wants us to participate with Him in the miracle. And last time I spoke, I talked about how the process is every bit as important as the provision. The process can be painful. The process requires patience. The process is sometimes frustrating. But in the pro God is working in the process every bit as much as He is in the provision of the miracle. And, uh, and, and so, uh, it's so important for us as we as we are believing God, that we enter into and engage with God in the process of the miracle taking place. We live in two worlds. We live in a seen world and an unseen world. We live in a visible world, and we also live in an invisible world. Um, the seen world demands our attention. We, we see things, we hear things, our, our senses are engaged in the seen world, our, our, our flesh and the appetites of our flesh. I mean, some of you are already thinking about lunch and you've only just had breakfast. Um, we, we, are, we are captivated by what we see. We are mesmerized sometimes by the beauty of the world in which we live, which is actually a visible representation of an invisible world. You think about the beauty of the world that we live in, and this is a reflection of the beauty that we're going to see when we're in heaven. And, and so, there are two worlds that we live in, and very often it's, it's so easy for us to be totally, in a sense, engulfed by the visible world in which we live, and, and, and don't, we don't engage in the invisible world. When I grew up, one of the great stories that I learned. In fact, I had an, uh, an American teacher at school when I was about seven years old in, uh, in England, and, and she read to us uh, the first of the Narnia Chronicles that were written by C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And I was fascinated by that story about how these kids walked through a wardrobe into another world, into an unseen world. And that story, of course, is an allegory of what I'm talking about now, the visible world and the invisible world, the seen world and the unseen world. C.S. Lewis was a, very, um, a pro, uh, was, a, was a very committed and deeply devoted Christian. And so that story is an allegory of, the, of our experience as, uh, as followers of Christ. And it, it speaks of those two worlds. And, and what, I, what I love about this month of May is not that God can't do miracles at other times, but in a sense, it stirs something in us. It, it draws us into that unseen world. It draws us into that invisible realm where we, we step out beyond ourselves and beyond our natural senses into a, into a place where we believe in God for the supernatural. I love that scripture in, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 3, speaking about Moses. Moses, who, who understood the difference between the visible world and the invisible world. And he says, the writer of Hebrews says, through faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. Um, everything we now see was fashioned from that which is invisible. 
So God made the visible out of the invisible. And verse 27 goes on speaking about Moses to say, by faith, he led the exodus from Egypt. He defied the king's anger with the strength that came from obedience to the invisible king. And so the writer of Hebrews contrasts the visible king, Pharaoh, who would have been incredibly intimidating to the invisible king, Jesus, and how the, 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 the strength of Moses' life and the, the way that he fulfilled what God had called him to do was because he fixed his eyes on the invisible king. I'm sure that when he stood before Pharaoh, he saw the visible king, but he saw behind him the invisible king who would have the final word. And I want to encourage you, whenever you, whatever you're facing and whatever you're going through, let's, let's as, as Jacob said earlier, let's fix our eyes on the invisible. Paul writes to the Corinthians, and he says exactly that. He said, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So today I want to, I want to draw some thoughts from a story that we read in the Gospel of Luke, which was an encounter that uh, Peter had with Jesus. And the title of my message this morning is Launch Out Into the Deep. Launch Out Into the Deep. I'm reading from Luke chapter 5, verse 1. So it was as the multitude pressed about him, Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, or or Galilee, and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from there and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered him and said, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken." And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. So three things that I want to highlight uh, that are essential ingredients of a miracle. Miracles happen, but they don't just happen. So firstly, miracles happen when we launch out into the deep. We read in that story, Jesus told Simon after he'd been preaching in his boat, he said, launch out into the deep. Go out into the deeper waters of the Sea of Galilee. When it comes to faith, when it comes to us believing God to do the supernatural, one of the most important things that we need to understand is that faith is counterintuitive because it's dealing with principles from an unseen world, whereas we are so used to principles 
from our seen world. So when Jesus said to Peter, launch out into the deep for a catch of fish, what Jesus was asking Peter to do was totally counterintuitive. Peter was a fisherman. He knew about fishing, and they'd fished all night and caught nothing. And what Jesus said was the total opposite to what any expert fisherman would do. First of all, you don't fish in the day. You fish at night. And the second thing was, in Galilee, at that in that particular place where they were, which is a place called Tabga, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, there are warm springs there. And the fish swarm around the warm springs that are in the shallows of the Sea of Galilee. So you catch fish at, in Tabga during the day, during the night, and in the shallows. And Jesus is telling him, launch out into the deep during the day. So everything that he said to Peter was totally counterintuitive. And the life of faith is counterintuitive. When we read, God says, give, and it will be given to you. Instead of, no, give, and you will have less than what you had originally. The Word of God says, lose your life, and you'll find it. Hold on to your life, and you'll lose it. Uh, humble yourself, and you'll be exalted. Give, and it will be given to you. So everything about the kingdom and everything about the life of faith is that it's counterintuitive. And to launch out into the deep means to get out of our comfort zone, get out of that which we're familiar with. And I want to encourage you, as we grow in faith, it's so easy to get comfortable. I mean, I like being comfortable. Most of us like being comfortable. Our goal in life is not to live an uncomfortable life. But actually, the life of faith is, in a sense, there's a comfort that comes from being uncomfortable in our faith. And it requires us to, to, to get out of that place where we're just comfortable, where we're going through the motions. Anyone know what I'm talking about? It's so easy to just go through the motions and to get comfortable. But God is calling us. He's calling us to to, get, to launch out into the deep, maybe to do something that we've never done before. Maybe it's to do something that's right, that we know we ought to do, but it's uncomfortable for us to do it. Maybe it's letting go of something that we're holding on to, that we need to release. And there are so many examples I can think of where, for me, maybe little things, but required me to, in a sense, launch out into the deep. I remember the first time I was in a prayer meeting, and, and people were praying, and I prayed publicly. I was so self-conscious. I thought, people are going to critique my prayer. Uh, people are going to think he's unspiritual. He doesn't understand the Word of God. Um, and, and for me, it was just launching out into the deep. I was worried about making a mistake in my prayer. No one else was worried about it. God didn't worry about it. God could fix my doctrine if it was wrong. Um, but for me, it was a stepping out in faith. Maybe for you, 
You've never prayed in public, in a public setting. That is launching out into the deep. That's doing something that you haven't done before. Maybe it's sharing your faith with someone. Have you shared, when was the last time you shared your story about how you became a Christian, about your encounter with Jesus? Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe for you, that's launching out uh, into the deep. Uh, maybe you, 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 you know, you've, you've never been, you, you believe in God to buy a home. I remember the first time I bought a house uh, in Australia. Uh, it was such a scary experience because I'd never done it before. And, and, and it was, it, it just required, it, it, I felt so uncomfortable in the process and fearful about what, what if, what if this and what if that. Uh, maybe it's starting a business. Maybe you, you, God's stirring you about starting a business and it's, it's scary. Those are the things, the, those times when we start to feel uncomfortable that we, we're stepping out and we're doing something that maybe we've never done before. And it's in those places when we do that that we find that the miracles happen. The miracles don't happen in the shallow. They happen in the deep. The miracles don't happen when we're, we're, we're just doing that which is familiar, that which is comfortable, that which is ordinary, uh, that which we've always done. No. Miracles happen on the edge. My, when you grew up, remember, if you ever got to the edge of a, of a drop, your parents would say, get away from the edge. Step back from the edge. People for the last 15 years have been worried that when I stand on the edge like this that I'm going to fall off. I've never once fallen off. It's, I have? I did once. Okay, Polly remembered. Polly corrected me. Die? Yes, have I fallen off once maybe. But hey, hey, if I hadn't, fallen, if I hadn't stood on the edge, I wouldn't have fallen. If you're going to live the life of faith, you're going to fall sometimes. But better to get on the edge and live the life of faith than stay where it's comfortable and easy and safe and predictable and, hey, and living your life vicariously through everyone else as you watch Netflix on TV, but never leaving the comfort of your armchair. No, that's where the miracles happen when we launch out into the deep. I want to encourage you today. Is there an area in your life where you could launch out into the deep, where you could launch out do something that you've never done before. Second thing, miracles happen when we do what Jesus tells us to do. There are th several miracles in the, in, in the Gospels that stand out when it comes to this. The first of these is, of course, the first miracle that Jesus performed when he turned water into wine. And uh, the story goes that they ran out of wine at a, at a wedding and uh, the, the, uh, Jesus' mother found out that they'd run out of wine, and she went to Jesus and said, there's no more wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, my hour has not yet come. By the way, whenever Jesus said woman like that, he, Jesus called his mother woman from the cross. Uh, it's, it was actually a term of endearment in the Bible. So when I call my wife die woman, she knows that it's a term of endearment because I'm following Jesus' example. So it wasn't, Jesus was not being rude 
Jesus was, it was a term of endearment. So Jesus said, woman, my hour has not yet come. And then uh, uh, she turned to those that were serving at the wedding and said, these words, so important. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And the miracle happens. When we do what Jesus tells us to do, we're in the miracle zone. When we do what Jesus tells us to do, we're, we're out in the deep. We're stepping out into a, the, the, the realm of, of feeling uncomfortable, but doing what Jesus tells us to do. And we find the second time that this takes place is here when Jesus calls the disciples. Um, Peter is called into full-time ministry from here. And uh, Peter tells, uh, Jesus says to Peter, launch out into the deep. And then Peter gives all the reasons. Master, we've toiled all night. We've caught nothing. And then he says this, but nevertheless, at your word. And I want to encourage you, let's live with the nevertheless at your word. Even though everything is telling me that 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 this is difficult or everything that the Word of God is telling me to do makes me feel uncomfortable, even though I, I don't fully understand it. Nevertheless, at your Word. And when we live like that, miracles begin to happen. The other one, of course, is the final miracle after Jesus' resurrection and before His ascension, where He told His disciples to, who'd been fishing all night, and he called out from the shore and said, cast your net on the other side of the boat. They cast their net on the other side of the boat, and they caught a miraculous catch of 153 fish, which they brought to the shore. If we want to see miracles, miracles happen when we do what Jesus tells us to do. And where do we find what Jesus tells us to do? In His Word which is why it's so important if we want to see miracles happening in our lives that we're reading the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. As we read God's Word, we know and uh, we are instructed in what we should do, and it positions us for a miracle. It's not just enough to hear some great messages, whether it's on our iPhones or whether it's in church. It's not just enough to... To, uh, to, to just kind of hear. But no, we need to do what Jesus is asking us to do. And when we do, we step out of the shallows and we launch out into the deep. We've got a video I want to show right now, which is a testimony of uh, one of the great members of our church. Many of you will know Michael Elman, who's a great part of our church. Michael and Polly are our generosity pastors and do a great job uh, here in the church. And there's a testimony that uh, we filmed of him, and I want you to take a moment to look at this, because this is someone who did exactly what we're talking about, and he, he launched out into the deep, and he did what Jesus told him to do in the Word of God. Thank you, Polly.
looking back at my journey of giving really goes back to when I was invited to attend a Newport Church service in January of 2012. 2012 was a very challenging year for me, especially in the beginning of the year. I lost my mother early on in the year. I was going through major difficulties in a relationship. And although I had a successful career, I was under a lot of stress and really wasn't feeling fulfilled in my life. So I knew I was searching for something. I wasn't quite sure, but I, I was searching for a purpose. So I came to church on that Sunday, not understanding what to experience. I, I just remembered vividly I was in the front row and all of a sudden a band comes out, the people are standing, they're playing worship music, which I'd never heard before. And people are raising their hands, they're singing. And I just felt anxious. There was so much going on, I had no idea. Even during the message, uh, people were very engaged with Pastor Jonathan in the message. And so it was really kind of a different experience. But what wasn't different for me was the fact that there's always giving when you come to a church. So when that bucket came down, I remember as an eight-year-old boy with a long pole with a velvet bag, I would get a couple of quarters out of my pocket and throw in the bag and could check it off my list that I gave that church that day. So I started coming to church consistently every Sunday and I was looking for something. I wasn't quite sure what that was, but the messages were really starting to resonate with me and I could actually apply them uh, practically in my day-to-day -day life. I started to volunteer. I was working in resource, I was in create, getting much more involved, learning more about the church family. And I started getting into the word and in the Bible in the year and started to really kind of understand and reflect of what I was looking for and what purpose I had in my life. Later on that year, I was baptized. My daughter was baptized. My granddaughter started coming to church and things were really starting to feel fulfilling for me in a, in a sense of purpose. And the more that I got into the word and I got into generosity, I decided to really look into the power of giving. Started reading about tithing and I heard about tithing. It was kind of a new concept for me. What wasn't new was the 10% piece of it. So as, as I was reading, I, I looked at, well, I'm 52 years old, and I'm thinking 10% at age 52 was a lot greater than 10% when I was an eight-year-old boy making money cutting grass. So 10% was a much bigger number for me to look at, and that's the practical piece of it. But I decided to take a leap of faith, and I started to tithe. And I haven't turned back since I started to tithe. And not to mention, uh, the last seven years of my career, were so fulfilling that the stress went away and I received some of the biggest success in my own personal income in the last seven years that I did the previous 23 years, which is really amazing. And the last thing I really want to mention is that person that invited me back in January of 2012, well, I ended up marrying her. And all I can tell you in this miracle made is that think about where you are in your journey and just remember God always delivers and God is very blessed. So that's Michael's story. Michael launched out into the deep. Michael did what Jesus told him to do. And he's been experiencing God's supernatural provision ever since then. And if we want to experience, uh, have the same experience, I want to encourage you, launch out into the deep, do what Jesus tells you to do. And interestingly, in the book of Acts, there's, a, there's an amazing verse about the Bereans. The Bereans lived in, guess where? Berea. And they, uh, not Brea here, but Berea in Asia Minor. And uh, uh, 
you know, because there's Brea bread as well, and they make really good bread. But these were the Bereans who lived in Asia Minor, and it says they were more noble or of better character, noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And I want to encourage you, have that kind of a spirit, the Berean spirit. Well, Michael said, I've always said that then Michael needs to make a TV show called Michael Said, because he knows, you can ask Michael any question, he, he's like Wikipedia, he'll tell you anything about everything, he's the rain man, he's the date man, he's all of, all of the above, Michael said. But even though Michael says, read what the Word of God says. And when you read what the Word of God says and you have that kind of spirit, and I want to encourage you to do that about everything. When you listen to something and you go, well, I haven't heard that before, go to the Word of God and check it with the Word of God. So secondly, do what Jesus told you to do. Third thing, miracles happen when we live with purpose. Miracles happen when we live with purpose. And when we read this story, the most amazing thing is that the the significance of the miracle of the multiplication of the of the miraculous catch was actually a prelude to a greater miracle it was the prelude to the miraculous life that god was calling peter into and in a sense god wants to call every single one of us into that miraculous life for peter it was to leave his nets it was to leave becoming, being a fisherman to becoming a fisher of men. It was to leave mending the nets to defining New Testament doctrine, to writing two of the books of the Bible. And when we launch out into the deep, what we need to understand, and when we're launching out into the deep for a miracle, it has a lot more to do with our future than even the miracle that we're believing God for. God is calling us. God is drawing us. And we sang that song earlier about, uh, about, that, about stepping out, um, about the, 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 the call to, to step out of our boat, to step out into all that God has called us to do. And the word launch in the, in the Greek is a word epanago, Epanago, because everything comes from the Greek. Sorry, I had to say that. Epanago means to put out to sea, to literally take a ship out into the high seas. And in a sense, that's the picture of launching out into the deep, leaving the safety of the harbor, leaving the realm of the known, leaving the realm of, of certainty, and stepping out into uncertainty, stepping out into that realm of faith, getting out onto the high seas. Listen, God did not create you to live in the safety of the harbor any more than a ship, an ocean-going ship, was ever created to live in the safety of the harbor. Let's not get comfortable. Let's not get tied up, so tied up that our ship never, never leaves the harbor to get out onto the high seas. Let's begin to take some of those steps of faith. So the first thing is 
it, it, it means to take a ship out onto the high seas. And then the deep, the word for deep is the word bathos, from which we get the word bath, which uh, means deep water. It means immensity. It means an extreme degree. It means profundities. It means deep laid plans. And as I looked at those words, I thought how fitting that those words launch out into the deep. God was saying to Peter, and God is saying to you, and he's saying to me, I created you not to just paddle ankle deep in the shallow waters. I created you to sail the high seas. I created you to discover new lands. I created you to uh, live beyond the horizon that you can see and to step into the destiny that I have for you because I want you to know the fullness of your call. I want you to know the immensity of your call. I want you to know the extreme degree and the profoundness of the call that is on, on your life. And I want you to know the deep laid plans that I have for you when you step out of the safety of the harbor and you launch out into the deep. You see, just like God called Peter to follow him and he left his nets and he followed Jesus, his life was transformed. He ended up in Rome, was executed and buried in Rome. He wrote two of the books of the New Testament. One of the church leaders, one of the central figures of the New Testament church. But God has the same for you, a unique call, a unique destiny. And he's calling us, just like he called Peter, and he said, follow me. And I want to encourage you. When we live with purpose, just like Peter lived with purpose, miracles happen. One of the things about Michael's story is not only that he launched out into the deep, not only that he, he uh, did what Jesus told him to do, he made a decision when he accepted Christ that he wanted to live a life of purpose and he wanted to live a life of significance. And I had the honor a few years ago of talk, speaking at his farewell party at Macy's where he had been for over 30 years and was in a high level of leadership and was retiring. And at that speech, Michael himself said, I've lived a life of success. Now is my time to live a life of significance. And so he made a decision. I want to live a life of purpose. Now he didn't have to retire to live a life of purpose. It came at that moment of time. And now he's so much of what we do in the church. Michael is a central figure as our business manager and one of the leaders in our church. And, and his retirement has enabled him to do that. But you don't have to retire to do that. You can make a decision. I'm going to live a life of purpose. I'm going to live beyond uh, just the ordinary. I want to live in the realm of the extraordinary, and I want to make a difference. One of the great things about uh, living a life of purpose is we understand that our life is not just about our miracle. It's about us being the one that God uses as a miracle for someone else. Over 40 years ago, I lived as a hippie in the Blue Mountains in Australia. I was saving up money to go uh, come either to the U.S. and South America or back to India. I was trying to decide what I was going to do. 
and some friends came and visited me. And they told me about Jesus. And they told me about being born again. And I was very hostile. I was very unreceptive because I believed that there were many paths to God and that Jesus was just one of them. And they were very emphatic that Jesus was not a way, he was the way, the truth, and the life. And because they came and shared that with me, my life was transformed. And I asked a series of questions and I had my own struggle with God and I came to a place where I had a literal vision of Jesus, which many of you have heard, and I had a I, I, I accepted Christ as my Savior, and it changed the trajectory of my life forever. I had a Damascus Road experience at the age of 23. But those people had experienced a miracle in their salvation, and they understood that part of their purpose was to share their miracle with others, including me. And so they became a part of my miracle. And since then, I've become a part of other people's miracles. And next week, we're going to take a miracle offering. And in that miracle offering, when we give that miracle offering, we're going to be a part of someone else's miracle, either in India or in Peru or in uh, Santa Ana or the people that we feed. Because we understand that the, our miracle is not just about us. It's about being a part of someone else's miracle. Every miracle that Jesus did was about that individual being a part of someone else's miracle. And I want to encourage you, let's live with purpose. Let's live in such a way that we want to live with significance and we want to be a part of someone else's miracle. Can you say amen to that? Would you stand to your feet and I'll get the worship team, if they would, to come now to the platform let me pray for you as I pray can I encourage you to just have a mental image of whatever it may be that you feel God is speaking to you about when it comes to launching out into the deep what is it that Jesus is saying to you to do and let's make a commitment together that we're going to live with a greater sense of purpose than we ever have before Father we come to you in the name of Jesus Lord even as you told Peter to launch out into the deep Lord today we want to launch out into the deep out into the deeper waters out from the safety of the comfortable out of the safety of the ordinary Help us, Lord, to live our lives the way you destined us to live, the deep laid plans that you have for us for good and not for evil, for a future and a hope. And that, Lord, today that that sense of purpose would resonate in our hearts. Lord, that we would not just be receivers of miracles, but we would be a part of someone else's miracle because you've touched our lives and transformed and changed us forever. I pray, Lord, that faith would rise in this place today as we worship you and as we honor you. I pray, Lord, that you would cause us to, to step out with a new sense of faith and expectancy. 
And Lord, that not only would we see miracles happen, but we would be a part of others' miracles because of the work that you've done in us. We thank you and worship you and honor you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's worship God together.
you're watching online or here this morning and you've never ever made a decision to accept Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, we want to give you that opportunity right now. Just like I did all those years ago, Jesus is calling you. And all you have to do is respond and say yes, because He did everything. He paid the price for our sins to be forgiven. He made a way for us to be reunited with our Heavenly Father. And He opened a door to eternity so that we can spend eternity with Jesus, with all our loved ones that have gone before us and all those who've gone before us who are in heaven right now. And I want to invite you to pray that prayer with me if you've never prayed it before. God's going to answer your prayer. He's going to forgive you. He's going to give you the gift of eternal life. And He's going to touch your heart, and cause your spirit to come alive, and cause His spirit to reside within you so that you can live your life with Him, not just for time, but for eternity. Let's pray that together. If you're praying that for the first time, making a recommitment of your life, pray this with all of your heart. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus, and I ask you to forgive me. Help me, Lord. And I thank you for the gift of eternal life. I thank you for the forgiveness of my sins. I thank you for the hope and faith that I can live with from this day on. Thank you that you are my Savior. You are my Lord. And from this day on, I will follow you just as you call Peter. I will launch out into the deep. And I thank you for your presence and your power in my life. In Jesus' name.